Hello, and welcome again to our study in the book of Revelation. We're going to be looking this morning at Revelation 6, verses 12 through 17. Um, let me open us with prayer, and then we will uh, we'll dive in. Father in heaven, thank you for this time that we have together in your word. We pray that you would bless this time to us, that um, as we come to this seal and what is revealed to us here in this seal, that we would, Lord, be impressed by your Spirit, by the end, by the coming of Jesus Christ, by the need to turn to him now in repentance and in faith, to flee to him who came to save us before the things that are revealed in this seal come to pass. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is Revelation 6, verses 12 through 17. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, the full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, and the great ones, and the generals, and the rich, and the powerful, and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? This is God's word. Now, we've come today to this, the sixth seal of the seven seals that Christ began to open. The Lamb, who is described as the Lion of Judah, but was the Lamb slain, and who had all authority to go and to take the scroll from the hand of him, him who sat on the throne, and to begin to open the seals. And in opening the seals, began to put into effect the plan of God that was revealed, that was in that scroll. This is Christ opening the scrolls of God's plan for all of history. And in the first four seals, we saw there portrayed the ongoing, uh, temporal, restrained judgments of God that are being meted out upon the world. Um, we saw the horsemen, the four horsemen. And then verse, or then the fifth seal set before, set before us the reality that the church itself is caught up in the middle of all of this. That we, as God's people, are also called to endure, um, well, we are called to endure the sufferings, the tribulations that are being poured out upon this present age. The horsemen that are trampling the world are also trampling God's people. Even to the point of martyrdom, we are called to endure. Yet, the fifth seal encouraged us, assured us that 
even while this is taking place and while our brethren throughout the world are, are being killed for their witness to the gospel, yet their life is hidden with Christ in God. Christ, who is seated in heavenly places, has also taken their lives to himself, and we are safe in that refuge. Now we come to the sixth seal. And the sixth seal sets before us the reality, and for Christians, the assurance that these temporal, restrained judgments of God that are presently being poured out upon the world and the sufferings of Christians, the suffering that we are having to endure as well in this present evil age, all of it is eventually going to come to an end. All the five seals leading up to this seal will give way to what happens in this seal, the end, the absolute cataclysmic end of all things at the coming of the Lamb, the coming of Jesus Christ, the coming of the Son of God in judgment. And then I would, um, I would not have you make any mistake about it this morning when you're looking at the sixth seal as John sees Christ opening the sixth seal, he is beholding the final act of history. Genesis 1, sort of a counterpoint to what we're seeing in these six seals. You might remember in Genesis 1, God's supernatural work of creation was played out over the course of six days, with man being God's final act of creation on the sixth day. Well, now here in Revelation, we see God's supernatural work of judgment coming upon his creation over the course of six seals with his final judgment, the sixth seal revealed here as coming upon man himself. The end of man. This is the end. The day of the Lord, the day of judgment is being revealed here. The heavens and the earth and all that is in them are coming to an end in the holy wrath of God. This is not the only time in the book of Revelation that John will see the end of the world. As a matter of fact, God will show John and will show us in the book of Revelation um, the end and the events leading up to the end. He's going to show us this several times in different ways throughout the course of Revelation. But this is the first time that we see, John sees, the end. So what happens? When the sixth seal is opened, the first thing that John beholds, we're told, is a great earthquake. From John's vantage point in the spirit, uh, he sees the heavens and the earth being literally shaken and ripped apart by an earthquake such as the world has never seen. Well, it could never have seen such an earthquake because this is a world-ending earthquake. As one commentator describes it, the breaking of this seal precipitates an earthquake of unparalleled magnitude, reaching up into the heavens, blackening the sun, bloodying the moon, shaking the stars loose, 
to fall to the earth like figs in the wind, ripping the sky open like rolled papyrus, and the turning to earth to toss mountains and islands from their places. Now, we should understand that this earthquake isn't just a random act of judgment. It isn't just to be understood by us as as a, a natural phenomenon. The earthquake is, at its essence, the trembling that creation undergoes in the presence of the Lord. It is God's presence coming in judgment that causes this earthquake. It is the response of the earth to the presence of God in judgment. God's coming in judgment is what is causing the world here to shake and to shatter to pieces. Notice the reaction. I mean, we see this in our passage. Notice the reaction of the human population on earth as it is described here in our passage. Verses 15 through 17, it said, Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? It is the coming of God in final judgment that we behold here in this sixth sixth seal. Now, when God comes, earthquakes come with him. And for those familiar with the Old Testament, uh, this should not be surprising at all. You might remember that when God came down to Mount Sinai to give his law to Moses and to Israel, the scene was described in this way when God descended upon the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. Exodus nineteen eighteen. Now on that day, when you think about this, on that day, the Lord God came down, he descended, not to judge, but to make a covenant with his people. Nonetheless, at his presence, at his com- coming, the mountain trembled. And the people at the foot of the mountain thought that they were going to die. How much worse when God is coming in judgment. Frequently, an earthquake accompanied God's coming, or an earthquake accompanying God's coming in judgment is referred to in the Old Testament. Isaiah, for instance, also speaking of the end of the world, seeing also what John now sees, spoke of it in this way. Isaiah said, Wail, for the day of the Lord is near. As destruction from the Almighty it will come. Therefore all hands will be feeble, and every human heart will melt. They will be dismayed. Pangs and agony will seize them. They will be in anguish like a woman in labor. They will look aghast at one another. Their faces will be aflame. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel with wrath and fierce anger, to make the land a desolation and to destroy its sinners from it. For the stars of the heavens and their constellations will not give their light. 
The sun will be dark at its rising, and the moon will not shed its light. I will punish the world for its evil, and the wicked for their iniquity. I will put an end to the pomp of the arrogant, and lay low the pompous pride of the ruthless. I will make people more rare than fine gold, and mankind than the gold of Ophir. Therefore I will make the heavens tremble, and the earth will be shaken out of its place at the wrath of the Lord of hosts in the day of his fierce anger. Isaiah 13, 6 through 13. He's describing exactly the same event that John sees here when the sixth seal is opened. Ezekiel also saw this day. Speaking of it in terms of what he called the Gog-Magog battle, which Revelation will also use and interpret as the same event, the end of the world that we're looking at here. Ezekiel, when he wrote about that, when he wrote what he saw, he said, For in my jealousy and in my blazing wrath I declare, on that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel, the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and the beasts of the field and all creeping things that creep on the ground and all the people who are on the face of the earth shall quake at my presence. And the mountains shall be thrown down, and the cliffs shall fall, and every wall shall tumble to the ground. Ezekiel thirty-eight nineteen through 20. Joel, you might remember as well, his description of the end of the world, the coming of God in his wrath. Joel 2, verses 10 through 11 read, The earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters his voice before his army, for his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful, for the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? Notice there in Joel's account of the end of the world, God's coming in judgment, he asks the same question. The same question is asked there as they are here in our passage by those who are seeking to hide themselves from the terrible wrath of the Lamb. Who can endure it? Who can stand? The prophet Nahum, you see this is a theme throughout Scripture, especially you get it again and again in the Old Testament as well, this end of the world theme, God coming in judgment. The prophet Nahum also saw this day, and he asked the same question. It reads in Nahum 1, 5, and 6, The mountains quake before him, the hills melt, the earth heaves before him, the world and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and, and the rocks are broken into pieces by him. The prophet Malachi, speaking of the coming of Christ, asked the same thing, Malachi 3.2, but who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? The prophets of the Old Testament, you might have noted just from that that survey of some of their prophecies of the end of the world, the prophecies of the Old Testament also spoke of the sun being darkened and the moon turning as, as it were into blood. You saw that in Joel 2.31. They, they spoke of stars falling from the sky as leaves fall from the vine and as, 
And they spoke of the sky being rolled up as a, like a scroll, Isaiah 34, 4. They spoke as well as well of mountains and islands being shaken and tossed from their places, Isaiah 54, 10, Ezekiel 38, 20. Let the listener then understand. When we're reading the sixth seal here in Revelation, John is seeing, and we are seeing, nothing less than what the prophets of the Old Testament saw. The coming of the Lord God in the person of the Lamb. In the person of Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, coming in final judgment upon a wicked world. Final judgment. World-ending judgment. And there will be no escape on that day. The peoples of the earth, as we see in our passage, will be scrambling desperately for somewhere they might hide. They will be looking desperately for something in which they can take refuge. But everything around them is being shaken apart and destroyed. Everything is crumbling around them. Anything they might have hidden in, anything they might have held on to for security, for salvation, is being destroyed. There is no hiding place on that day. The end of the world. There is nothing to cling to for salvation in this world. You can even hear their desperation in our passage. The desperation of, of those who are, who are there on the day of God's judgment, on the day of the coming of the Lamb in judgment. As the very mountains are being shaken apart and the cliffs are falling down. They're crying out that the mountains and cliffs might fall on them and so cover them from the presence of God, from the wrath of the Lamb. Maybe, maybe even in death, crumbled or under a, a mountain that has crumbled upon them, they can, be, they can escape God's judgment. But it is also in vain. Just like Adam and Eve, when they heard the approach of God, tried to cover themselves with fig leaves, didn't work. These are not going to even be covered by mountains. They cannot escape the wrath of the Lamb. It is terrifying, the sixth seal. It is the end of the world. It's the end of creation as we know it. All that God made in the beginning, all that he declared is so good in the beginning, is now being obliterated by God himself at his coming again in judgment. And the thing here in this passage that really ought to strike us, I mean, the end of the world is not a new theme in Scripture. Even non-Christian religions throughout the world, people throughout the world know that a day is coming when the world will end. So what we're reading about on the one hand is, is not a shock. It shouldn't be a surprise. But what should strike us is the fact that this day of judgment is being executed by one who is called here the Lamb. This is the wrath of the Lamb. This is the one, you see, 
And all the world is going to know it on that day. This is the one that came in advance to deliver them from this very judgment. This is the one who came into the world prior to the end of the world, not to judge the world, not to condemn the world, but to save. Not to destroy it, but to be destroyed, to offer himself up as a sacrifice and be condemned for sinners. The Lamb. This is the one that we mocked. This is the one whose followers the world has been happily persecuting. This is the one in whom alone there was refuge, in whom alone there was salvation, a hiding place from this day, the day of the Lord, the end of the world. And yet, this is the one, the Lamb, that they rejected, that they denied. And now they behold him as he comes a second time, a last time, to execute his Father's just judgment on this rebellious and wicked world. When Jesus Christ, the Lamb, first came into the world, he came not only to warn us about this end, an end that we deserve, he came to save us from it. You might recall the fact that on the day when he was crucified, the day when Jesus was crucified, the very hour that he died, Scripture records in Matthew that a great earthquake accompanied that death. Stones were split in two, we are told. The curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. Graves opened up. The dead came out. And we were told, too, that the sky was darkened. Those things accompanying his death bore witness to the world that he came into the world, not just to warn us about what was going to happen at the end of the world, but to save us from the end of the world. The death that he died was the very judgment that we're now seeing here. The very judgment that we ourselves deserved. When he died on the cross, the world beheld him bearing this very end-time judgment that we're reading about in the sixth seal. He bore it upon himself. The end of the world came upon him in our place. The lamb was slain for our transgressions so that he might cover his people by his blood and deliver them from the wrath to come. He suffered himself. He suffered this death, this end himself, so that those who take refuge in him might pass through might be saved. In answer to the question that we hear in this passage, who can stand? Those who are in him can stand. Not those who are outside of him. Not those who rejected him. Not those who laughed at him, scoffed the gospel. Only those who looked to him for refuge. Looked to the one who took upon himself 
our judgment, our end of the world judgment, in our place. And sadly, as we see it here in our passage, in the seal, there are going to be many who refuse to heed his voice at his first coming, who refuse to find their refuge in him as freely offered to them in the gospel. They preferred the things of this world. They loved this world more. They loved their sins more. They trusted not in him, but in their own strength, in their own wealth, in their own wisdom, in their own resources. They trusted in man, not in God. So our passage refers to all those who will come to an end on this day. It says the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and also everyone, slave and free. God is no respecter of persons on this day. God will indiscriminately pour out his judgment. And it doesn't matter how rich you were, how powerful you were, what position you may have held in society. It doesn't matter if you're poor. If you're not in Christ, you are subject to the wrath of God. When God comes in judgment, this passage tells us, Nothing that you might have loved or trusted in, nothing that you might have thought would make you secure will hold or be of any good to you at all. It will all be reduced to nothing in the presence of the holy and almighty God, even the Lamb whose blood alone might have covered, but whose blood they refused. This judgment in the sixth seal, unlike those temporal, partial judgments represented by the four horsemen, this judgment is final. It is universal. It is complete. It is world-ending. The very lights, notice this, the very lights that God made in the beginning to divide the darkness from the light and govern the passage of time they're now snuffed out. The lights are literally turned off. Time is up. The sixth seal has been opened, and the sixth day, the day of man, has come to an end. Now, for Christians, this is actually a word of encouragement. It is the answer of God to the cries of his saints who have been martyred, who have suffered on earth throughout history for their witness to Christ. Those who have, are, and will suffer under the ravages of the horsemen are suffering. This passage assures us, the seal assures us, will not go on forever. We are called to endure. We heard this in the fifth seal, to endure a little while longer. Because the judgment of, this, of God upon this world has not yet come, the full judgment. But when it does, 
our suffering will also come to an end. And in the next chapter, Revelation 7, the seventh and last seal will be opened. And there we will see the glorious vision of those who did take their refuge in Christ and who so were saved from the judgment of God, the wrath of God that we see here in the sixth seal. We will see in the seventh seal the answer to the question that's asked by those perishing here in the sixth seal. Who can stand? Well, the seventh seal will show who stands. It will be the church united to Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. These will stand forever in the presence of God. And so that's some good news for Christians. But for the rest, for those of you who are not Christians may be listening to this today, for those who have not placed their trust in Christ and in Christ alone for salvation, you've heard the gospel, but you're not quite sure you want to believe him. For those who have not repented of your sins, because you know you're going to stand before a holy God one day and give account, but you haven't repented, you haven't turned from them yet, and you haven't turned to him who has offered himself as a sacrifice to atone for sin. You might be forgiven to wash you clean of all your impurity before God. For you, who are still trusting in yourselves or in this world, or maybe you just love this world too much right now, to want to give it up. And you, you trust in your false gods, your riches, your, your power, your strength, your youth. You trust in politics or anything else in this world. This passage ought to come to you as a wake-up call. It should ring in your ears. It should not let you sleep. You shouldn't be able to go about your work, your day-to-day, as if you didn't hear this. Stop trying to hide yourselves from the wrath of God. Stop ignoring its reality, its coming. Stop trusting in your own works. Stop loving this world so much and the the sinful pleasures and desires. Turn from these things. Flee from these things. Turn to Christ and find refuge from what is coming. Live. Stand. Stand upon the rock that is Jesus Christ. Find your hiding place in him because the earthquake is coming. God is coming. Do not hesitate. Even today, turn to him. Pray. Cry out to him, Lord Jesus, save me. Put your trust in him, in his blood, and in his life, his resurrection. As the author of Hebrews put it, and with this I'm going to close. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned on earth, Much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice 
shook the earth. But now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Let us, therefore, be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12, 25-29 Heed God's word today. Put your faith in Christ Jesus, I implore you. And for Christians, know that this time of your suffering is going to come to an end. The Lamb is coming. Coming to gather his people. Coming to judge the world. Let us be ready. Let us be found in him. Thank you for joining me today. I hope again that this study was profitable, useful to you. As I said, we'll be looking next Wednesday at chapter 7, the seventh seal. God bless. Bye-bye.